Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. Yes, that could mean you too. The workouts have been designed to fit into your life so you can move when you can. The 15 minutes you can squeeze in before work. The 20 minutes you get to yourself while the baby naps. The half hour you can spare at lunch. There's a routine for you no matter what your day looks like. A reminder as well, this is included in your Mum Mia subscription. If you are a Mum Mia subscriber, you already have access to Move. Download the Move app and log in with your Mum Mia login. Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Happy Census Day, Australia. Like a pandemic hit Olympics, it only comes around once every five years, where we pass on a tonne of personal information to the Australian Bureau of Statistics. Now, you might hear them trot these stats out every now and then in a news story, but do you know exactly how your information influences how the country is run? Today, we look at the 2021 census, from the cybersecurity threat of doing it online to the questions it refuses to ask and the reason we even do it in the first place. A newly federated Australia held a nationwide census in 1901. It wasn't like the countrywide survey we do today. It was actually a collection of censuses held simultaneously by each state who took care of their own population counts called musters back then. Those counts can be traced back to the arrival of the First Fleet when they were mainly used to keep track of convict labourers. After Federation, the new constitution gave the Commonwealth Parliament the power to legislate on matters relating to that census data. But it wouldn't be until 1905, when the Parliament enacted the Census and Statistics Act, that the Office of the Commonwealth Statistician was created, the precursor to the Australian Bureau of Statistics. The first ever Commonwealth of Australia census was held on April 2nd, 1911. The population of Australia on that night was 4,445,005 people, up nearly 700,000 on the Federation count. After the 1911 census, there was a 10-year gap until the next one in 1921, then a 12-year wait for the 1933 count. 13 years later, with another world war in between, we had the 1947 census. The next two had seven-year gaps until we settled on every five years from 1961 onwards. The idea is to collect key economic, social and demographic data from the entire country to get a snapshot of who lives here and how and where people live and work. That information can then be used by the government to help create vital services and infrastructure. Think education, welfare, healthcare and transport. This year will be slightly different in that we've all received our census login information early and we're allowed to complete the form before tonight. In the past, you had to fill in the paper form on the day of the census only during a certain window of time. We're actually hoping for a better result from the digital form of the survey this time around after the website crashed spectacularly in 2016. The government had to take it down for 40 hours before getting it up and running again. There were also some issues with privacy surrounding that census, with the ABS planning to keep the names and addresses of all participants for up to four years after the day. 
In the past, all personal information was destroyed after the information was collected. Even some politicians said they'd refuse to put their name to it. A campaign was launched to deface the census forms. With so many of us so much more concerned about our safety online now, do we need to be worried about the census data exposing us? Professor Matthew Warren is the director of the RMIT University Centre for Cybersecurity Research. He's a researcher in the areas of cybersecurity and computer ethics. Matt, first up, what exactly went wrong with the 2016 online census? What happened was the census went live and it was live from sort of day one, 6 p.m. And the problem was 3 million people would try to log on to the system at the same time. And the company who'd been employed to run the census system hadn't done testing on the system in terms of what happens if there's a huge increase in network traffic. So there was a hardware failure because of 3 million people trying to log into the system at the same time. Then, unfortunately, at that same moment in time, there was then a number of what are called denial of service attacks. And that's literally when an attacker uses vast amounts of network traffic directed to one server or system with the idea of crashing that server or slowing it down so it can't be used. So what happened, all of this happened at the same time. The Australian Bureau of Statistics didn't know what was happening, thought it was a cyber attack, and then took the system offline for 40 hours to try to actually determine what had happened. With these denial-of-service attacks, why do people do that? Why do they want a site to crash? The motivation for some of the attack, you know, would have been to try to discredit the Australian government in terms of showing Australian citizens, you know, that the government can't be trusted to run e-government style projects. On the other extreme, you have cyber hackers who just want to cause mischief and just think it's fun to see what damage that they cause. So you've got this huge range of different types of motivations behind these attacks. So obviously the ABS has changed it up a bit this year in that we were able to fill out our census form from the moment that we got our password in the mail, whereas ordinarily we're supposed to do it on the day of the actual census itself. But do you think that's actually going to help avoid a big crash like we saw back in 2016? That's exactly what they've done. They're trying to smooth people's access to logging onto the system. The other thing that they've done is implemented counter systems to protect against these denial of service attacks. And how they work is if you know a system is attacked by one of these denial of service attacks, that network traffic data can be distributed so it doesn't have the same impact. The other thing they've done is made the system more resilient in terms of putting in backups and testing the system to make sure there aren't areas where failure occurs. But one of the problems with any complex systems is there's always going to be sort of potential vulnerabilities. And the issue is whether an attacker is able to identify where a vulnerability may be and try to exploit that. Is there anything I can do myself personally on my end to better protect myself and my data when I am filling out the census? There's a couple of things that they can do immediately. One's to make sure that they have an effective malware checking system on their computer and they regularly check their computer for malware. The other important thing is to make sure that they update in their operating systems and all of their applications 
the reason why that's important is many attackers are able to exploit vulnerabilities in systems. And what happens is manufacturers are aware of these vulnerabilities and they're constantly updating their operating system and packages. But if people don't update their systems to the latest version of that operating system or package, they're still using an old version that has that vulnerability that could be potentially exploited. This year's census has also courted some other controversies. This one is unique because it's the first one we've ever done during a global pandemic, partly the reason behind the shift to online submissions rather than the door-to-door drop-off that we usually see. But obviously, not everyone can complete it online, so census staff have had to be trained in how to hand out the paper forms while ensuring they stay safe from spreading COVID-19. While there aren't any questions about the pandemic itself, there are some new questions, including whether you've ever served in the Defence Force and whether you suffer from any long-term health conditions. But the discussion around the questions this year has involved our response to an old question and a question that many wanted included but hasn't been. Australian comedian Tim Minchin posted this video recently concerned about the question around religion. The whole point of a census is governments use this data to make funding decisions and policy decisions, and we should give the government as accurate as possible a representation of our nation's religiosity. So if you're not particularly religious yourself, tick no religion on the census and encourage your friends to do the same. In response to the movement to choose no religion, Facebook and other social media platforms have been flooded with warnings against it, saying it will allow other religions, in particular Islam, to become the dominant religion in Australia, which will cause a major shift in how the country is run and perceived. Dr Liz Allen is a demographer and lecturer based at the Centre for Social Research and Methods at the Australian National University in Canberra. Liz, what actual difference will ticking no religion make? It would be wonderful to think that a single question could change the very fabric of our society, but no. The census has asked about religion since the beginning of census collection, and it's always been one that has attracted a level of controversy. And I think that that comes back from the historical foundations of our constitution. And that is that people should not be discriminated against based on an absence of religion or a religion. The religion question hasn't changed much over time. But in recent times, in the last two censuses, in fact, we've seen a bit of change that has caused a bit of controversy in its own right around the ordering of categories. We've seen the elevation of no religion up the top, stands out a bit from the rest, in fact, and then religions listed below. The other thing, obviously, to do with this census is that it is our first during a global pandemic. Will COVID-19 actually change how we view the data from this census or impact how we tackle this pandemic? This census, and I'm not overstating this at all, is probably the most important census of our history. This is the first time that we're taking stock of our nation during the time of great upheaval. People have lost work. They've lost income. Housing has become precarious. People have moved away from the cities. 
There's so much happening here. Add to this, most Australians are in the middle of a lockdown and we're going to see that reflected in this census. This census will be crucial to understanding the very impacts of COVID, not just from a health point of view, but from the social and economic impacts and consequences for our nation now and into the future. This is a moment in time, a watershed, if you like, for our nation to examine what's happening, but more importantly, charter the course out of this crisis. And these vital statistics will ensure that we do so in the most equal way possible. Can we get an idea of how the census practically, actually, directly influences things? I know one of the questions this year is about long-term health issues. Can we look at that and say they're going to get a snapshot of exactly how many people are suffering these long-term health issues and that will impact health legislation across the country? Is that how it works? The census caters for a variety of important indicators. We have the addition in this year's census of long-term health conditions. This is a first. This question asks individuals. It doesn't look to Medicare data or look to other behaviours that are a proxy. It asks everyone in Australia, do you have a long-term condition? And people can self-report there. They can be heard, be seen, be noticed. And in doing so, a whole range of service providers, government, industry groups, business, grassroots organisations and the like can look to that data and say where the need in Australia exists. I think the thing that I'm most excited about is looking at particularly the mental health conditions, depression and anxiety. We know a lot of data exists about this, but we actually don't know how these sorts of conditions impact everyday Australians. This is the first opportunity for us in this country to see this. And more importantly, this is our data. It's accessible to everybody for free. And we can use this information to argue for better services, to argue for better supports. The other controversial question is one that doesn't appear on the census at all. If you were to ask how many LGBTQIA plus people there are in this country, you'd have to take a guess because there's no government body tracking those numbers. Those in the community saw this census as the perfect opportunity to ask the question about sexual identity. But while it was considered, the government decided it would not be asked in 2021. Nikki Bath is the Chief Executive Officer of LGBTIQ Health Australia, the national peak health organisation in this country for organisations and individuals that provide health-related programs, services and research focused on lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, intersex and queer people and other sexuality and gender diverse people and communities. Nikki, what impact would having the question about sexual identity included on the census actually have in the community? Had that question been included in the 2021 census, what we would have been able to have understood is population level data for our communities. Things like where do we live? How many of us are unemployed? How many of us are carers? We have very significant health disparities and that population level data is a really important key to the door for us to be able to access all of that rich data that comes from the census so that we can better understand the lay of the land, so to speak, for our communities. 
Can you talk me through the campaign to try and have that question included and how you felt when you realised it wasn't going to be? So it was a long process. LGBTIQ plus Health Australia was then the National LGBTI Health Alliance, has been involved in working with the ABS on the census question since 2018. And we weren't alone in that. We were also working with Intersex Human Rights Australia and the Human Rights Commission in working with the ABS to guide them around what questions should be asked and how they should be asked and advocating to get them into the census. And it was a good relationship with the ABS. And we did a lot of campaign work with politicians. We got lots of support from all parties and independents with regards to the inclusion of those questions in the census. We didn't get them across the line. And that was very disappointing for us. But more than disappointing, it was at times, and I I might just speak personally for a moment, but For me, it was really frustrating. We have a health crisis within our communities, particularly in relation to mental health and suicide. And this data is so crucial for us to have the understanding that we really need to be able to hone in and invest those scarce resources in the best way that we can. It was really disappointing. And I completed my census form the other day and sitting on the sofa with my wife doing that, it was very disappointing that those questions aren't in there and that the journey ahead of us is very much the same as where we started in 2018, with some important differences, I may add. But yes, we'll be on the campaign again to get those questions included in 2026. Despite this census again attracting some controversy in 2021, Liz says filling it out this year is as important as ever. We count what matters, and it matters what we count. Everybody in Australia, this is their opportunity to participate in something bigger, to contribute to society, if you like. I actually like referring to it as the People's Olympics. It's ours, right? It's our opportunity to stand up and say, I'm here, this is me, and have an inclusive response to understanding who we are. You know, we've got some way to go when it comes to the questions that are asked on census. And for some people, census will be boring. It's another form, another tick and flick we've got to do. It's not an onerous task. It's, you know, 20 to 30 minutes every five years. This data will inform things like education, healthcare, transportation, and equalising this nation for the next five years. We've got to get it right because a whole lot of stuff hinges on the quality of this data. So, you know, if you're not so excited about this stuff, think about your community and what it might do, your participation, to help support others. That's the quickie for today. If you have any questions about the census this year, you can find more info on the government website, census.abs.gov.au. This episode was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Siobhan Moran-McFarlane, with audio production by Ian Camilleri. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.